0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Med Talks. I'm Saho Nachani and I'm a junior doctor working in the East Midlands. In this episode, another one as part of the Junior Doctors Guide series, I'd like to talk about something, probably one of the most important aspects of being a doctor working in a multidisciplinary team. Communication. Communication underpins the success behind managing patients effectively and without good communication, this can inevitably break down the importance of communication skills has been stressed right from the application period to get into medicine and during those long years at medical school. And yet, despite all of this emphasis, communication within a healthcare setting can so often be inadequate. I'd like to give you a few examples which I've reflected on from the past few months, particularly during this COVID pandemic. I'll start with something that probably, probably happens all too often. Let's paint the scene. Every morning the medical team will do a ward round where they go to see all of the patients on the ward and assess their latest clinical situation. By taking a history, examining the patient, looking through the latest blood results and scan results, a plan is made for that patient. This can be something like continue with antibiotics, blood transfusion or discharge later if no further temperature spikes. Now sometimes an amendment is made to that plan away from the patient For example, the examining physician has remembered that he heard some crepitations on auscultation of the patient's chest and he wants to order a chest x-ray for the patient to look for any consolidation, indicative of a pneumonia. This plan was made outside of the patient's room, the x-ray has been requested by the team and a couple of hours later a porter comes up to the ward to take the oblivious patient down for the chest x-ray. The patient, perplexed, now starts to panic because he or she was not informed about the x-ray during the ward round. They know about the plan for a blood transfusion, however no one has told them about this x-ray. Now they're freaking out about something being wrong with their lungs, with their chest, and they start to get angry with the medical team because they haven't been made aware of this investigation. This has the potential to break down all trust and rapport that the team has developed with the patient during their admission. Now, most of the time, all it takes after this incident is to apologise to the patient for this miscommunication, and they are usually quite forgiving. But these breakdowns in communication are so easily avoidable if someone from the team goes to update the patient. A similar example happened on my ward very recently. A patient with multiple myeloma was admitted to the haematology ward due to abdominal pain and constipation. Now she normally takes modified release of morphine sulfate, 10 milligrams twice daily, so once in the evening, once in the morning. Striking the right balance between eliminating the pain and getting the bowels moving has proven to be very difficult. The higher the morphine dose, the higher the likelihood of constipation. So one day after the ward round, we were making preliminary plans to discharge the patient in the next couple of days, and so we decided to adjust the morphine dose to 5 milligrams twice daily. The next morning, we arrived on the ward and the nurse immediately informed us about the patient's discontent with this decision. According to the nurse, the patient had a very disturbed night's sleep as a result of this dosage alteration. Not because she was in pain, just because she was annoyed that we had done this without telling her. So on the ward round, we went to see the patient and explored her concerns. Now she is a strong believer in being kept fully aware of everything to do with her health care and management, and rightly so changing her morphine dose without discussing it with her or informing her caused her a significant degree of stress which then disrupted her sleep. Our ancestors adopted the more paternalistic method of medicine where the physicians made the decisions with or without involving the patient. Now in this 21st century the approach is much more collaborative with the physician being the expert on evidence-based medicine and the patient being the expert on well themselves. The patient expressed their wish to be involved in every aspect of her care, wherever possible, and made it quite clear that even the slightest of changes to her usual medication doses should be done after consulting her. So basically what I'm trying to say is, keep your patients in the loop wherever you can. So if you're ordering an investigation that wasn't mentioned during the ward round at the patient's bedside, go and inform them about this plan. Explain the procedure or the investigation to them and address any concerns. This will ensure that that rapport and trust is maintained and it only takes a few seconds to minutes. Once you've done this you should document in the medical notes the conversation you've had with the patient so that everyone is updated. Now this brings me on to documentation. When documenting you must document honestly and only document what was discussed in that conversation. I recall a time when I was on call in the medical assessment unit a few weeks ago. The consultant and I went to see a patient during the ward round. This was a 55-year-old gentleman admitted, admitted from his GP due to a few-week history of dark urine, pale stools and widespread itching. He also had some yellowish discoloration of his skin. He'd come to the MAU from A&E following a CT scan of his chest, abdomen and pelvis as part of the diagnostic workup to see what's causing these symptoms, all or all which are features of jaundice. The CT report suggested a suspicious area within the pancreas, which would need some further investigation with the more useful MRI scan. Now in the notes, it was clearly documented that the patient is aware of the CT scan findings. After the ward round, I had to go back to see the patient as he was reporting some pain. I assessed him and informed him about the plan to perform an MRI scan the next day to see exactly what was going on. Prior to this, I asked him what he knew about the CT findings. To my surprise, his answer was minimal and there was no mention of the pancreas. It appeared that he had not been informed about this suspicious area within the pancreas and had just been told that further investigations were needed. Now this put me in an extremely difficult and awkward position. Do I tell the patient or do I keep quiet and wait for the MRI result? In the end, I decided that honesty was the best policy and the gentleman would appreciate my honesty, which he certainly did. So I told him exactly what the CT report said. There is an area in the pancreas which is flagged as being suspicious. However, we cannot be sure of exactly what it is without doing more sensitive imaging, which is the MRI scan. I wasn't telling him he had cancer, nor was I saying that all is fine. I wasn't being vague, nor was I being specific. I was just relaying the CT findings to him. That's why I say it's important to clearly document what the patient does and doesn't know, or what was said during the conversation patient aware of CT findings clearly wasn't strictly true. So that's communication with patients. Now I'd like to touch on communication with other members of the healthcare team. We've spoken about ward rounds. So after a ward round is completed, after all patients have been seen by a doctor, a plan is made for each patient and it's imperative that this plan is relayed to the nurses. They are the ones who will be implementing the majority of these plans. So things like continue IV antibiotics, daily weights, fluid input and output, four hourly OBS, and so on. So you must, must hand over to the nurses if you want the plans for each patient to be implemented effectively, in a timely manner, and therefore successfully. I recall an incident which happened during my week on call and the MAU. One of our patients had been admitted from the GB clinic due to an incidental finding of hyperkalemia. On admission, his potassium was around 6.7. This is a medical emergency as hyperkalemia can potentially lead to fatal dysrhythmias. So he was given a couple of rounds of hyperkalemia management including calcium gluconate, insulin, dextrose and nebulized salbutamol. After each round of treatment it's imperative to repeat the use ease in order to assess whether the potassium level has normalised or if it's still high and therefore requires further treatment. At around 12pm we, we checked the patient's potassium level and it came back to 59 which is still higher than the normal range. Given that we were planning to send him home that day, my registrar advised that we start another round of hypoclemia treatment, and then recheck the level in a few hours time prior to his discharge. So that plan was made and put in place. A few hours later, when discussing with the nurse looking after that patient, I asked whether the patient's latest round of hypoclemia treatment had completed. Bemused, the nurse said the treatment finished in the morning, it then became clear that there had been some sort of miscommunication, which meant that this gentleman had not received the latest round of treatment. I was adamant that I had informed the nurse to start another round of treatment, however, the nurse was fairly certain that they had not been informed. The key thing to do in this situation is to focus on the patient and focus on what needs to be done immediately, rather than playing the blame game. The issue with working in these fast paced, high intensity environments which the medical assessment unit has a bad reputation for, given the incredibly high turnover of patients, is that the chances of miss or inadequate communication are higher. So many plans are made for so many patients, all varying to a great extent, that sometimes things can get missed. Now thankfully no serious damage was done, however it was a huge wake-up call for myself and I'm sure for the nurse. On another occasion that could have gone devastatingly wrong, so what I'm trying to say here is make sure you inform the other members of the healthcare team about the latest plans for the patient, particularly the nurses. The final topic I'd like to touch on is communication with families. Now, communication with families is a huge part of being a doctor, and it can often be quite challenging. Whether it's updating them that their loved one has improved and is ready to be discharged or breaking the sad news that they de- that they've deteriorated during the night or even obtaining a collateral history to understand how the patient has been prior to admission, it's imperative that the communication skills are up to scratch. During this coronavirus pandemic, visiting opportunities have been severely restricted with hospitals adopting a policy of no visiting whatsoever unless a patient is deemed to be end of life, at which point a restricted number of relatives can visit, however wearing full PPE. This of course will vary from hospital to hospital depending on each one's rules. Now, not being able to see your loved ones in hospital as you normally would must be the hardest thing for relatives to come to terms with, especially in times like these with so much uncertainty. And so it's been our job to ensure that they are regularly updated about how their loved one is doing. I remember a night shift back in April where I was called to see an eighty year old gentleman with COVID 19 who was deteriorating. I assessed him and discussed with my registrar who advised that he may be coming towards the end of his life as he wasn't responding to the medical therapy. However, we'd give him another 12 to 24 hours before making a final decision. As he had deteriorated, I needed to update the family about the latest events. Now what I was hoping would be a short but informative update given the time of 1am, it turned into an hour-long conversation with the patient's son, daughter and wife, all expressing their desires to come and visit him and asking for various things to be done for him, such as massaging his arms and legs, sitting by his bedside and performing prayers with him, to name a few. I had to reiterate about 15 times the hospital policy of no visitors and had to continuously emphasise the reasons behind this policy. It's too risky for everyone involved. Towards the end, I was getting visibly frustrated at the length of this phone call and the number of times I had to repeat the policies. I did try to show as much empathy as possible. And looking back, whilst the length of this phone call may have been frustrating, it was purely just a devastated family worried sick about their loved one. And who can blame them? All it requires is for us to put ourselves in their shoes and then we'll start to understand their emotions. Right, I think we'll leave it there. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and have been able to take something away from it. Remember to update your patients, their relatives, where appropriate of course, and your colleagues. Good communication is the bridge between confusion and clarity. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Share the episodes with your colleagues, your friends and your family. Remember to fill out the feedback form in the episode bio. You can follow us on Instagram, which is at medtalks.uk and ask us any questions you'd like. Thanks very much and see you in the next one. Goodbye.